top Looking just how far we've come Knowing that for every step You were with us Kneeling on this battleground Seeing just how much you've done Knowing every victory Was your power in us Scars and struggles on the scripture right now and then this morning the Holy Spirit likes to work really last minute and I'm like okay I'll listen 
And the Holy Spirit pointed me to this verse because somebody needs to be reminded of this. Um, these two songs, the Never Once and the, the next song we're going to sing, just talk about uh, God's faithfulness through the mountains and the valleys and that he is the same God through it all and he's faithful through it all. Um, and the promise that we find here in Scripture, really this, this whole entire book, we find a God that wants wholehearted worship and wants us to seek him with our whole heart. And here's the promise after this popular verse that you know that uh, talks about the plans that he has for us to prosper, prosper not to harm us. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. In this promise, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. We see this over and over and over again. A God that wants to reveal himself to us, but he also wants wholehearted worship. And so friends, we're going to sing this next song, and it's it's really wordy. I feel like a lot of times I try to steer clear of those songs because sometimes it can be hard to sing. But this one is just too beautiful and too poetic in the way that it is um, It's written. And so maybe maybe the, the call is that if, if, if you don't feel like singing this, that's fine. Listen and let the, the Holy Spirit speak to you and be reminded that he will be found. He will be found by you when you seek him with your whole heart. There's been times that I um, haven't even been able to, to sing this song, if I can be really honest, that the whole song was basically just tears um, because I resonated so much with this God that's in the shadows, right, and not being able to see him. But I can stand here today and tell you that his promise is true and that he is faithful and that he will bring you through. Let's sing together. Oh, how high would I climb mountains if the mountains were where you are? And oh, how far I'd scale the valleys if you grace the other side? Sir. 
Heavenly Father, in so many ways, we've just prayed our prayer, God. We have sung of your faithfulness to us through every step of this journey of life. God, we have, we have declared thanks to you and praise to you and acknowledged that, that you have been with us. And God, because of that, we can trust you to be able, uh, we, can, we can trust you and, and open our lives to you and, and ask that you would come reign in us because we know you're faithful and we know that where you lead um, is for our good. And God, I just pray that through the remainder of this service, God, that that prayer would continue to echo in our hearts, God, that you would reign in us, that you would allow um, the words that Todd and Brian are going to speak to us um, to just come and penetrate our hearts, Lord, would we be sensitive to the way that your Holy Spirit wants to move in the rest of this service. Lord, we love you and we praise you for who you are and what you've done. It's in your son's precious and holy name that we pray. Morning, church. You're awake. That's good. I was asked probably two months ago at this point uh, to come back up. And what's interesting is you kind of mull things over in your mind. You know, what, is, what does God have for me to say to, to you, uh, to us? Because this, this is applicable to me as well. And I think uh, one of the things that I've, I've seen so far, and I think that you guys will see and hopefully you'll see throughout the services, um, there's actually a common theme. Uh, we didn't have some kind of meeting prior to coming in here as to what we we're going to talk about or, or sing about or what Brian was going to speak on. Um, but it's interesting how, how God works. God is still working today. And if we let him, because I think this is a, we are part of this equation, we've got to listen. We've got to obedient and let God work and through us. So, 2,190 miles plus. Uh, 2,190 miles plus is the distance on the Appalachian Trail from beginning to end. The plus is because the Appalachian Trail, due to structural issues, trail changes, stuff like that, it may change and vary a little bit and has changed throughout history. Uh, Part of the reason I know this, you say, well, why? That's a really random fact. Uh, why, why do you have that for us? Uh, interestingly enough, Pastor Brian had turned me on to this book. It's called Hiking Through uh, four or five years ago, probably. And I, um, I don't necessarily suffer from, but come to find out, I have uh, high-functioning anxiety. So one of the things that I deal with on a regular basis is uh, I like to read through things that are comfortable, that I'm familiar with, that I enjoy, and I like to watch movies uh, in the same capacity. Uh, the movie Tombstone, uh, I've probably watched that movie 40 or 50 times. I enjoy the movie. My wife can't stand it. Um, but the Appalachian Trail, uh, one point is Mount Springer down in Georgia. The other point is Mount Katahdin. It's up in Maine. And throughout this, this path, this trail... It, it's marked by these white blazes, what they refer to as white blazes. What do the white blazes do, you ask? They guide the hiker and keep them on the path. All the way from Springer Mountain to Mount Katahdin, there are 
thousands and thousands and thousands of these white blazes that keep the, the hiker on the path. So the, the hiker gets to the end, and they're, they're done. They, they've accomplished their feat, right? Um, they've hiked 2,190 miles. Uh, the st- st- statistics say that roughly one out of four hikers that start a through hike is what it's called will actually make the hike. Uh, about um, the first two or three days into the hike, if you start from Springer Mountain down south, uh, there's actually a store, bless you, uh, there's a store that the trail runs through. There are white blazes that run through the store, and the purpose of this is so the people who have through-hiked the trail before, they can look at and inspect your packet, your pack, to see, like, what is, what is useful and what is not useful? Uh, what is going to hold you down on the trail? Because when you hike, uh, even short trails, it's not measured in pounds. It's measured in ounces. Because you can imagine 2,190 miles with uh, an extra couple pounds on your back is, is going to be problematic. Um, so they will help you to take out what you don't need in order to be successful on that trail. As far as our faith is concerned, one of the things that I continually look at and and realize is that um, God puts these points in our lives. Uh, We're at the point where you you grow up and maybe you're exposed to the gospel as a a child or maybe even an an adult. Um, You come to uh, a place where you've heard the gospel and now you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Uh, you move along and you become involved. And I think sometimes, like with the you know, Appalachian Trail, people finish the hike because they've reached that goal. They've reached Mount Katahdin or Mount Springer. But as far as our faith is concerned, I feel like sometimes we get into this place of complacency. We get to the point where we've, uh, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm at church, uh, I do my thing at church, and I'm good. And then we just kind of sail into heaven or slide, whatever that means to you. Um, so there was, a, there was a song that I'd heard uh, uh, maybe a year ago uh, called, My, uh, called Different by Micah Tyler. If you've, you've heard of it, raise your hand. Have you heard of it? Anybody? One, two, ten. Um, I would say if you get the chance, you have access to a computer, go home and listen to the song. The song is incredible because it's a, part of it's a testimony of his life. Um, a very, very short period of time, lots of things happened to this guy, and it was just its crazy if you listen to the thing or listen to his testimony prior to the song. Uh, but ultimately, the, the end, right before he starts to sing, he says, God, I don't want you to change my circumstances because all, all too often I think we, we want God to change our circumstances change what's going on to me right now and just just come down and fix it, would you? What Micah Tyler suggests is don't come down and fix this. God, I want you to change me. Make, make the change here, and then by extension, that makes it out to a world that needs Jesus. Uh, so one of the things we've talked about in the board is that Union County is one of the largest growing counties or the largest growing county in uh, Ohio. Lots of people coming in. As far as this church, this place, 
Um, I want to be the type of person, I want to be the type of church who is uh, willing to get out into the trenches to uh, meet the needs of the needy and meet the needs of the lost, uh, to bring them to faith. Whether they come to this church or not, I'm not as concerned, but there are a lot of lost, lot of lots, lost people, and I hope God changes not only my heart, but the heart of this congregation to meet the needs of the community and meet the needs of those lost. So if you're at a point where you're looking for um, a ministry opportunity, connection card's in front of you. Uh, fill out a connection card, drop it in a box. Hey, I'm looking to get involved, but I don't even know where to start. Surely the great and powerful Stephanie can help you <laughs> find your way. So in, in closing, um, I just want to be open uh, I want to be open to what God has for me, what God has for us, uh, and I want him to, to continue to move uh, every day. All right, thank you, and please welcome Pastor Brian. Morning. Uh, I want to make sure we're real clear. Um, I love Todd. He referred to me as Pastor Brian. I'm not the new Pastor Brian. <laughs> okay. Um, we good there? All right. I did not. <laughs> that's not in my notes, but I just want to make sure that if you are listening, if you're live streaming or Facebooking or whatever, that you know that I'm not the new Pastor Brian. He's a lot taller, um, a lot thinner. And I got to be honest, um, he and I are going to have to have a discussion about his take on West Virginia. I was not pleased with <laughs> some of the things he had to say when Dr. Kunstman was here, but we'll settle that when, when that takes place. <laughs> Uh, it's good to be with you. Um, I'm obviously not Pastor Paul or Pastor Josh. Pastor Paul is taking some vacation time before um, his last days with us, and Pastor Josh is at spring retreat. And so Pastor Paul asked me several months ago if I'd be willing to, um, to fill in and to speak today. And uh, if you don't know who I am, uh, my name's Brian Nurek. Uh, this has been my church home for the last 22 years. I'm married to Holly, definitely married up, married into the church and married up and glad of it. Um, father to Kennedy and Jillian, son-in-law to Bob and Terry, and related to three-quarters of the church through that relationship. So um, this has been my church home for, for two-plus two decades. Um, are we just picking randomly in the audience for people to fill in when pastors aren't here? Not necessarily. Um, and I only say this just so that you understand. Um, long, long ago, uh, from 2000 to 2008, I actually had the privilege and the honor of being uh, the youth pastor of this church. Um, and that's going to play a little part into what I'm going to talk with you today. But just in case, you know, this is not my first time preaching, in case some of you are, you know, looking for the exit, I would understand. Um, I would also tell you, I'll give this little kind of funny illustration. If at any point in the service, I just want you to know, just because it's a different face, these altars are always, always open. You feel like you need to pray, please, please come forward. Um, I had a pastor friend from West Virginia once who told the story that um, as he preached, he noticed that there was an older gentleman who came to the altar in the middle of the service uh, for a couple weeks in a row, and the pastor approached this man after the service and asked him, you know, what, what's going on? Anything I can pray with you about? And, and the, the older man said, no, 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 it's all right, it's all right. And the pastor noticed this kept going, and so finally he, he said to the older gentleman, he said, I really need to know, is there something I can help you with? And through much hesitation, the older man said, well, pastor, i got to be honest with you. Um, sermons haven't been that great. I thought I'd just talk directly to God in the middle of the service. So... <laughs> <laughs> so the pastor said, asked and answered, you know, we're good. Hope, hope he spoke to you there, you know, so here you are, altars are open. Um, we're going to jump into this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, two different scriptures today. And if so, if you're flipping through your Bible, if you're looking digitally, we're going to look at the first one is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. 
Uh, that's going to be the one that we primarily go off of. And then at some point in the service, we're going to switch over to Romans 12. I know that those will be, yeah, there we go, displayed on the screen. Uh, we've been discussing the series, um, Come Out of That Grave. Uh, the idea, the concept of things in our life uh, that need to be cast aside or let go of. Um, experiences, understandings, misunderstandings, um, things that the Lord has asked us to give over to him and to get rid of. And I have the fun of talking to you this morning about your past, our past, <laughs> the past. The past is very interesting. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the past. And the lens that I would like to look at, uh, at the past with comes primarily from these verses. If you read with me, uh, these are so familiar. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Or some versions say he will direct your paths. Um, I teach middle school, eighth grade, and so let me un-Yoda this for you, okay? Trust God with all of, of who you are, and don't rely on your own version of things. Recognize him and his power in every single thing that you think or do, and he will guide your thinking and your understanding. Are you okay with that version, that translation? I think that is what we're going to go on today. The focus that I would like us to look at today is, is taken from that second portion of uh, verse 5. Lean not on your own understanding. I'm afraid that when we talk about our past, that's kind of the main issue, isn't it? It's our past. We have a certain version of looking at it. How many of you would agree with me? It's my past. I have leaned on my own understanding so many times in trying to understand uh, what's happening. And, and, you know, it's humorous at times when we talk about the way somebody remembers something and they didn't remember it the way that we thought they were supposed to or we were part of the experience and they didn't remember it. Uh, my dad, who I love very, very much, is currently in the mountains of West Virginia fishing. He's on his annual fishing trip, and I wish I could be with him. In fact, if you think about me at 4.30 tomorrow morning, I'm getting on a bus with 78th graders to go to Washington, D.C. for the next five days. I'm not kidding. Um, I would much rather be uh, in the mountains of West Virginia. <laughs> um, please, please pray for us, absolutely. Uh, but my dad's fishing, and I know that my dad's going to come home with a story that the fish was, you know, and we're, he's fishing trout. You know, trout don't get any big, you know, but, you know. And, it, and it's not because my dad is some sort of liar and exaggerator, but, you know, it'll always compare to the fish that he caught in 1986, right? You know, it was bigger than that one or little of that one, you know leaning in our own understanding of how we remember things. Without a doubt, the past and how we view the past shapes who we are. In fact, a decision that we might have made 20 years ago and a way we looked at that decision can totally change and shape who we are. Um, I have just been uh, reading, I just got done reading uh, a book by a lady by the name of Corey Tinboom. How many of you are familiar with Corey Tinboom? Ever heard of Corey? Okay. Famous missionary, and I've heard about her um, all through growing up, and really just, I've, I feel guilty that at 43, I just started looking at her work, but I, looked, I took a look at her book called The Hiding Place, uh, written in the 1970s. If you don't know Corey Ten Boom, Corey Ten Boom was a Dutch a woman who was born in Holland in 1892, and who uh, grew up uh, as a child teenager during World War I, and then consequently as an adult uh, experienced World War II. Um, strong, strong faith-based family. Uh, she had multiple sisters, aunts, her father and mother all lived together in this little tiny house. And so when World War II took place, uh, they felt their faith being challenged. And the more the Nazis occupied their home country, the more uh, they saw people hurting and in need. And so the Tin Boom family started to hide Jews in their home. Uh, even to the point of modifying their home, changing the, the, the face of one of the rooms, creating a secret room uh, that, the, that these, these, these refugees, these Jewish refugees could live in. And she got in the business of operating 
through no design of her own, through her submission to the Lord, um, an underground to get these Jews out of Holland and into safe areas during World War II. Um, the more you read her story, the more you come to understand that she was betrayed um, by a fellow uh, citizen of her town. Um, the Nazis came in, took over everything, caught the Jews, or some of them that were hidden in her home, imprisoned her 90-year-old father, um, imprisoned Corey at the age of 52, imprisoned her sister Betsy at the age of 54. And as you read her story, you understand that her, their father died in prison six days after he was put in. Um, Corey was sent to a concentration camp with her sister Betsy. Her sister, his, her sister Betsy died from illness and malnutrition at the age of 54. As you read this story, every single opportunity Corey and her sister had in that concentration camp, they ministered, they prayed, they operated prayer groups, they took advantage of the fact that they were in the worst prison facility uh, in, in the concentration camp. There were so many fleas that the guards wouldn't come into their, to the room. How many of you are familiar with this story? And so because of that, they were totally left alone. And so they praised God and they were, they were praying and leading. It, it's an unreal story. It's an unreal story. I would encourage you to read it. Early on in the story, she references a situation in her life that changed her outlook on every single one of these negative situations that she was in. A lot of people don't know this about her, but in her early 20s, she was in love with a young man who came from a wealthy family, and he loved her. But because he came from a wealthy family, his own family didn't approve of Corey, and they wanted him to marry into wealth. And so they arranged a marriage and kind of pulled him out of his sphere of influence with Corey. And the next time that she saw this young man, he was actually engaged to another woman. And it broke her heart. As a 20-year-old, it broke her heart. It devastated her. And she wasn't even sure how to process this grief. And she reflects, I want to read to you a portion of what she did. She said, I didn't know how to deal with this grief. And so she ran up to her room and she basically threw herself on her bed and just was sobbing. And she heard her father's footsteps coming up the stairs. She thought he was coming just to kind of tell her to get over the situation, that everything was going to be okay, to just get better. But she said, instead, he said to her, Corey, do you know what hurts so very much? It's love. Love is the strongest force in the world, and when it is blocked, that means pain. There are two things we can do when this happens. We can kill the love so that it stops hurting, but then, of course, part of us dies too. Or, Corey, we can ask God to open up another route for that love to travel. Whenever we cannot love in the old human way, Corey, God can give us the perfect way. She said in that moment, she said, I did not know that as I listened to my father's footsteps winding back down the stairs that he had given me more than the key to this hard moment. I did not know that he had put into my hands the secret that would open far darker rooms than this, than this experience I was going through. Places where not even on a human level there was anything to love at all. Corey Tinboom attributes all of the love that she had for all of the people she encountered in these concentration camps, the Nazi prisoners, the Nazi soldiers she prayed for, the officials that she prayed for, she attributes that moment and all those moments to how the Lord transformed her heart in her 20s. She said that the prayer she prayed was this, Lord, I give to you the way I feel about this young man, my thoughts about the future I thought we were going to have. You know, God, everything. I give you everything. Give me your way of seeing this situation instead. Help me to love him the way that you love him. Help me to love him that much. I think about, I think about who Corey Tinboon might have been if she had not prayed that prayer in her 20s. I think about all the ways her heart might not have been open. And maybe it would have. I don't know. I don't want to question that. But I wonder 
Would she have been as effective? Would she have been as open to love in those very, very, very hateful situations during World War II if earlier in her life she had not been allowed and been guided to this idea that God can take the way we see a situation and he can change the way we feel about it? Is there any better way to consider the lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him? Her prayer literally was that. Don't help me, help me not to lean on the way I see it, but help me to see it the way you see it. Help me to love it the way you love it. What an amazing, amazing story. A critical decision in her past changed the course of her entire life. I know, though, that not every single person here in this room has the opportunity to go back and to change how we viewed a past experience. Some of you would love to do that. Love to go back and change it? Yeah. And it's a beautiful story to hear how Corey changed the course of her life in this one decision. But I think a lot of us, the older we get and the older I get, realize that there are things that I view and look at in my past that I can't go back and change and I can't go back and fix them. And so this prayer is even more important because I didn't pray it in the moment. I need to pray it now. I can only speak about my own experiences when I talk about things in my past. I can't speak to you about yours. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to talk to you about my past just a little, little bit and hope it comes across the right way. Um, pray that it comes across the right way. Um, I told you that I was a youth pastor here uh, for eight years. Um, I felt the call to ministry when I was 15 years old. Um, West Virginia South District Church Camp, Summersville, West Virginia. I'm sure Brian Richardson and I know that place very, very well. <laughs> I grew up on that church camp. Um, I'd gone there ever since I was a little kid and had the opportunity, even when I was in college, to visit it again. Um, I remember at 15, July of 1993, uh, the altar was open. Um, the, the message was about coming and asking God what he would do in our lives. And so I came forward and I prayed, and I very distinctly heard God say to me, I want you to work with students. I want you to work with, at that time, the term was youth. I mean, if you remember when, when students are called youth, right? Okay, yeah. I want you to work with youth. And I remember even saying to God, God, that's funny, I'm a youth. And he was like, yeah, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out, okay? <laughs> Just stay with me here, he said, right? I remember that call, and that call shaped the rest of my life. I went to Mount Vernon Nazarene University uh, to be an ed major, uh, education major. Um, secondary English education was the title, which was a fancy way of saying I got to teach English at high school. But I had a youth ministry minor. I considered the two roles to be very, very interchangeable, just different curriculum, right? <laughs> you know, I'm talking to youth. I get to work with youth. Um, the summer I graduated, uh, I was dating a very, very attractive young lady um, who was from Marysville. I was working three part-time jobs in Mount Vernon because that's where we were. She was living with family here in Marysville. I was working three part-time jobs in Mount Vernon. And I got a phone call from the senior pastor, uh, Pastor Paul Whiteford. And he said, hey, um, we've got a little bit of a transition. I understand you've done a youth ministry internship. Would you come and would you just be our youth pastor for the rest of the summer? And I thought I had arrived. <laughs> I thought the things I'd been praying about, and, and in a very real sense they were, because what went from three months went from three months to eight years. <laughs> English major, I can't. <laughs> eight years of serving as a youth pastor. Um, it was part-time at first. I taught at Benjamin Logan High School. Then uh, God moved in that situation, and it's a long story. But the idea is that for eight years, I felt that I was fulfilling a purpose that I had been called to since I was 15 years old. And then in the summer of 2008, God changed the plan. And have you ever been a part of that before? God changes the plan. You know he's allowed to do that, right? <laughs> We might not agree with that, but he changed the plan. Um, 
and I could talk to you at length about how God moved in my life and moved in a situation, but long story short, God closed the youth ministry door here, and he opened the door for me to go back into public schools. Um, I got a phone call from my former principal and said, hey, don't know if you're in, in, in a position where you could, but we could use you. God opened a door. I wasn't even looking for it. The phone rang. <laughs> there it was. And so in 2008, I found myself back in the classroom and teaching high school and doing the things I loved. But I got to tell you, and I'm, and I'm ashamed to tell you this, and I don't know how much I'm going to delve into it. I accepted God's move and I accepted God's change and I accepted the change in my life. But there was a part of me that wasn't happy about it because it wasn't what I expected it wasn't what I thought was going to happen. I mean, I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I was going to be a youth minister at 78 or something, you know, <laughs> longest tenure in the history of the church, you know. But it wasn't what my plans were. Same page? And so as much as I accepted it and I went along with it and I was happy that God provided for me and my family, there was a small part of me that didn't. There's a small part of me that was uncertain. And I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't angry at anyone in particular. I was just angry that things had changed. I was upset that it didn't go the way that I thought it was supposed to. Opposite of these verses, leaning heavily on my own understanding, not acknowledging him and all who I was, not asking him to make my path straight because it wasn't what I thought was supposed to happen. And the, the weird thing about the whole thing is, and you've heard me talk about this to some of you, like while I'd been Logan, God was opening doors there. Uh, the, the head football coach came to me and said, hey, I know you used to be a youth pastor. Some of your students are my former students. Uh, we've got a need. Would you be interested in being the high school chaplain of the football team? I was like, eh, right? Is that legal? He said, well, it's voluntary. Students want to come and pray with you. They get to pray with you. Twelve years, I got to be the chaplain of a high school football team. You tell me where that isn't God-ordained, right? Situations where students were brought to me and said, hey, we're not sure. Can you talk with them? I could go on and on and on, but there was still a little part of me that was unsettled. There's still a lot of part of me that, that wasn't sure if this is exactly what it was supposed to be. And I'm going to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, the longer that little part of me lived there, the more it started to do this number. I'd find myself driving home from Logan County and all of a sudden out of nowhere getting frustrated. Well, this wasn't the job I thought I was supposed to have. Am I really where I'm supposed to be? And again, not mad at anybody, but there was a frustration that kept doing this inside of me, constant, constant constant. You know what happens when something like that lives inside of you? It becomes a part of who you are. We start to justify our feelings. Am I on the same? Are we, are we okay? Am I, telling, am I saying too much? We can justify a feeling of discomfort if we don't allow God to take it and to take it out of our hands and to have us look at it in a different way. And I'm not kidding. I was happy in my home. I love my family. I love the job that I had, but there was a still constant they went on for a long time. It's funny how God changes our perspective on things because three things happened simultaneously that really kind of caught my attention. Uh, the first was that on one, one day, and I've, I've read this verse so many times that it's, it's, it's so familiar and you're going to know it, uh, but I stumbled upon Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know where my mind got stuck? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. 
When something inside of you is doing this, it establishes patterns. Yeah? Frustration, anger, uncertainty, shame. Frustration, anger, uncertainty, shame. Frustration, anger, uncertainty, shame. And God questioned me, hey, is there a pattern in your life that doesn't belong there? Within the next two days, we're driving home from church, and I'm grumbling about something. And my wife looks over at me from the passenger seat, and she says, have you really thought about what you're saying? She said, have you noticed that the only time you seem to get frustrated about this was when you drive home from church? She said, you're not frustrated about this stuff during the week. She said, you don't come home after a Friday night football game where you filmed for the football team. You don't come home frustrated about it. You're not frustrated. Another... You ever notice that it's just when you've sat in a church service? She called me out. And she wasn't, like, slapping me in the face with it, but she was calling me on a pattern that she had seen that she had watched happen in my life. I didn't even know it was that visible. But God says to me, don't conform to the patterns of this world. And my wife says to me, hey, there's a pattern that I see that shouldn't be there. Third thing, COVID. Nobody praises God for COVID, but you know what? COVID smacked me upside the head. It's difficult to be frustrated about being in a church service when there's no more church service to be in. Right? Does that make sense? It's a great equalizer. <laughs> All three of those things happening within a, a, a period of time was God's way of catching my attention and saying, hey, you've got something that just keeps patterning out inside of you. And if you look at these words, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need a transformation. How many of you would agree that we live in a highly chaotic world? The pattern of this world is chaos. If you aren't aware of that, go watch a Little League baseball game next Saturday. Never in my life have I seen a tiny misunderstanding turn into full-blown rage in zero to 60. People are not willing to be patient with misunderstandings. Our world does not want us to say, hey, sorry, my bad, and move on. We live in a world that wants to perpetuate that cycle, that pattern, over and over and over again. And so my shame comes from the fact that I was exhibiting a pattern that this world wants to hold us in. And God wanted me to look at the situation differently. God wanted me to see his version of how I should have looked at his change in my life. It's when my mind was shown a different perspective of that situation that my heart realized that I was in the wrong and I've got to be honest with you, it was a hard conversation with God. But it was one where he showed me where I was thinking wrong. My question to him was, what did I do wrong that you changed my purpose? And his answer to me was, what did I change other than where you do what I've called you to do? A different version, a different lens. I wish I could go back and apply the, God, let me see this situation the way you see it. Let me love the situation the way that you love it. But I'm going to tell you right now, now that he's brought that to my attention, I don't have that frustration anymore. I am free from that cycle, that pattern of discomfort, because God has shown me over and over again that he has a purpose for me and that he's using me and that I've not done anything wrong. He just changed the circumstances, which again, he's able to do. <laughs> Praise God for that. So what is the reality of this situation that we're talking about this morning? What 
What are we meant to take away from this thought process of leaning into him and not leaning on our own understandings and trusting him and not conforming to the pattern of the world that we live in, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind? What, what are we supposed to take away from this? I'm not going to stand here this morning and tell you that you have things in your past that you need to reanalyze. That's not my role and that's not my job. I don't know your past. I only know mine. But I do know that so many of us walk around with these small patterns of frustration and shame and hurt and anger and frustration, shame and hurt and anger. And God doesn't want that for us. He never did want it for us. And so maybe you're sitting here today with a situation that has become so close to who you are as a person that you legitimately don't know where that situation, that misunderstanding, that past memory begins and where you end. It all has just melded and blended into one. But I'm going to tell you this morning, God wants that situation because he wants to show you a better way of looking at it. He wants to show you how his love sees your past. He wants to show you the freedom that you can get when you give him your understanding of how things worked and when you take his understanding as your own. This is not an easy process. I'm going to use an illustration this morning that you might have heard of before, but um, I like hiking. Uh, there's a guy by the name of Aaron Ralston, um, hiker, 2003. He decided to take a hike in the south of Utah, didn't tell anybody his plans, took enough water and food for basically two, two or three hours of hiking. And he was hiking slot canyons, basically kind of narrow riverbeds between huge walls of rock. And he was hiking down into him and climbing up out, and hiking down into him and climbing up out. And with no cell phone on him and with nobody knowing where he was, he goes to climb out one of these slot canyons and he dislodges a boulder that falls and pins his right wrist up against the wall of the canyon. And what he thought was going to be a two-hour hike turned into a five-day ordeal of trying to survive. He could not move that rock. He could not get out of that situation. No matter how hard he tried, he could not relieve the pressure off of his wrist. He was stuck. He tells in one of his memoirs that three days in, he realized he didn't have any more feeling in that hand. And that essentially that hand had passed away. It had died. And he came to the understanding that either I separate myself from this dead thing or I end up just like it. And so in a very gruesome way, he severed his hand away from his arm. Took measures to make sure that he did not continue to cause more harm to himself and hiked the six miles out of that canyon to safety. I'm just wondering this morning, do you have something that is so close to you that it's almost like your own hand, so familiar to you that you don't know where it ends and you begin? Are you pinned down by a situation that has held you captive for so long that you're uncertain what to do with it? The fact of the matter is God doesn't even ask us to cut those things out of, his life, out of our lives. He just asks us to give them to him. He just asks us to give him what we think we understand. Look at that prayer that Corey prayed again. Lord, I give to you the way I feel about this situation. All of it, every part of it. Give me your way of seeing instead of my way. Help me to love your way and help me to love as much as you do.
ask you to bow your head with me this morning. I don't know where you are today, but I know where God is. And I know if you have something that is weighing on you that you need to give to him, it might be something so deep that you're uncertain of what it would look like to take it out of your identity. God wants that. He wants it. He wants to take it. He wants to give you a new way of viewing it. He wants his love to apply to it. These altars are open this morning. Amy's gonna play in the background. It's gonna take a few minutes. thank you for today thank you for your truth this morning which speaks of transformation of a renewed mind of steps and paths that are made straight when we rely on you Father help us today to see that your love isn't just about where we are in the present but that it extends into our past and into our future as well God, help us to see that you want to show us your way of looking at our lives so that we don't lean on the way we understand things, but that, God, we operate moment to moment with the way you see things. Father, help us today to give you the things that would keep us from doing that. Help us today to let go of the things, God, and to give to you the things that would keep us from knowing your love in all situations. Help us to understand, God, that all you want is our willingness to hand it to you and to let go. Father, be with us now as we leave this place this morning. God, I ask that if these thoughts are meant to continue in our minds, that, God, that you would continue to speak to us, that you would bring things to light that you want our attention on. That, Father, just because we leave this place doesn't mean that your words have stopped speaking to us. And so, God, if there's something that you want to bring to our minds, Lord, may we be willing to hear what you would say to us. Thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for the truth of your love for us and the power of that love, which can cover so many things that we can't even begin to understand. Father, help us to go, loving the way you love, seeing the way you see things. In your name, we thank you and praise you. some praying here. Feel free to stay and pray if you'd like to. If you need to leave, just please leave quietly. <laughs>